0: When, when the pursuit of health becomes so stressful like that, it's really becomes unhealthy. Hi, Brittany. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Katie. How are you this morning?
1: Good. I had the opportunity to be a guest on your podcast, and I'm so thankful for that. And you had so much wisdom about food and nutrition and... uh, topic that often comes up with my 20 something friends. So thank you for being a guest on mine.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so excited. We had such a great conversation and I'm excited to hopefully serve your listeners as well. Yes. Okay.
1: So back me up into how you got into doing what you're doing and healthy eating and nutrition and eating disorder, coaching, all of that.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So it was it was a kind of roundabout way. I'll say I feel like it's a little non-traditional. Um, I feel like most dietitians that are in this space have a, a big story or history with a specific eating disorder. And mine is a little bit different. So I actually came into college starting off with like, I want to go pre-med, maybe pre-dental. And the more that I got into healthcare, the more I was like, I really want to be on the front side of things. Like, I really want to help the clients and students and patients I work with um, nourish themselves well and hopefully try to, you know, prevent some of these, you know, medical struggles later. And so I started getting more into nutrition. I am a total foodie at heart. So, like, I love trying new recipes. I love playing in my kitchen. And I was like, this would be so fun. So, the more I got into learning about nutrition, the more. I didn't even realize how much I was being inundated with a lot of the good food bad food talk where it was like certain foods were really like oh this is a superfood this is healthy you should eat this and certain foods were kind of demonized like stay away from this these are bad these are whatever give them all the you know junk all the labels and I didn't realize the way that it was impacting my relationship with food and the way that I saw food and the stress that comes from it. Like when, when the pursuit of health becomes so stressful like that, it's really becomes unhealthy. So you kind of like backtrack and you sort of negate a lot of the benefits. And so my relationship with food started becoming a lot more rigid. And I noticed that even though I had the best intentions working with my own patients and clients, you know, going into grad school and my internship, I just saw like, this is so like people, people aren't getting it. It's so ineffective. They get the education and I'm sitting there like lecturing them like, do this, do this, don't do this. And, you know, no change would be made. And I kept seeing like, okay, this like what, like something's off, something's not working. I truly want to help people, but like, where's it? Like I'm in this gap somewhere between I know what they need. I know how to help them, but something's not connecting. I'm not doing it in a way that's effective. And so, Kind of long story short, I started learning a lot more about disordered eating and started realizing, oh my gosh, I'm so, I like these are some things that I struggle with. I never had a full-blown eating disorder, but most people don't. The, yeah. A large majority of people have some sort of disordered behavior they struggle with or even the mindset. Like it amazes me. I bet if I pulled, like if I, if I pulled 100 college students or 20 somethings off, off the street and conducted a poll, 90 to 95 of the minimum would probably struggle with some sort of disordered behavior or thought process when mm-hmm. it comes to food or their body. So things like getting on the scale and going, oh, okay, well, that number is going to determine how I behave or how I feel about my body today. Or so-and-so made a comment about, oh, this this food at lunch, this is this is junk. We got to eat something else. Or, yeah. well, if I eat this, now I'm going to have to do whatever exercise later or restrict. Um, And so I just saw the negative relationship that that was having on me and on others. And so fast forward a little bit um, as an adult, I saw that same kind of struggle with control, needing to control food or feel like you got to have this certain level of discipline and willpower and rigidity. I saw that transfer over into my relationship with the Lord and my struggle with infertility. Mm. Which is such it's they sound very disconnected, but (laughs) my husband and I um, had been married for maybe three, three and a half years when we were wanting to start a family. And I just had this struggle with control. And I was like, I knew I had always struggled with control in different areas, but I hadn't realized to the degree because I felt like the Lord kept telling me, like, you need to talk about this. You need to confide in someone. You need to ask for prayer over this. You need to stop trying to control every aspect. I've got you but you need to listen. And I was like, "Mm -mm." like, Uh yeah, God, you got this, but I don't need to tell anybody else about it. Like it's going to be hurtful to talk about all the things. And it wasn't until I had this like come to Jesus moment at a small group where I had been giving the Lord all these excuses and saying, Oh, there's too many people in this group. It's a co-ed group. This is not appropriate to talk about with both, you know, men and women. And it was like the Lord just kept removing those barriers. Like we had a few less people show up to group that night. He, our leader said, "Okay, men go in this room, women go in this room for prayer time." And I was like, "Oh God, what are you doing to me?" And so we get to prayer time, and Katie, I, I am not a crier. I don't love to cry. And when I tell you I ugly cried, like it was not cute. I was like. They, they're asking for prayer requests. And I'm like, I want to be a mom. And, you know, I haven't told anybody, nobody knows, you know, other than my husband and like one mentor of ours hadn't told my family. And, and it's hurtful when people are like, mm-hmm. Hey, why don't you have kids? Or do you want to start a family? You can't be like, well, we've been trying for forever and it's not happening. So anyway, I saw that, that struggle with control, the way I was showing up with food turn into my relationship with the Lord and with others. And so I think it's just really interesting to see how some of those disordered behaviors can infiltrate other areas of your life. And so the Lord kind of used that process, especially to reveal like there's got to be a level of surrender and it feels scary. You have to take that messy, unpredictable action and you have to really hand it over to me because control is not the way it's not the way to live, but it's also not a way to improve your relationship with food or your body. So anyway, it was through that process and through that night that the ladies prayed for me that I got to come back nine weeks later with my ultrasound. And, oh, yay. and our OB was like, Hey you know, calculating back, she was like, This this was the night, you know, that y'all conceived and we were like, No, that's according to all the things, that's like at least two weeks off. Wow. <laughs> so um it was just it was a big a, a big God thing for us and a big lesson for me that as safe as control feels, it really becomes this prison versus this thing that, you know, that's keeping us, that's actually keeping us safe. So so I now get to use that process and that journey in the way that I have learned to relate to food now, not only to nourish my body and help my clients do the same and to nourish it from a place of joy instead of anxiety. Um, but to also just create that more healthy relationship, less stressful, more um, peaceful and enjoyable with food and their body. So I love it. Yay. I love all
1: of this too. I was thinking about in my twenties, you kept talking about control and I remember definitely having that relationship with food and and like you didn't have like this formal eating disorder, but you know, I remember being five, eight and weighing 110 pounds and taking diet pills and mm. trying to calculate that I would only have 10 grams of fat per day, which as you know, is not even enough. And in fat is a nutrient, just like anything else, we've demonized yeah. it, as you've said, yes, but fat is, is good in, in moderation. Right. And of course, healthy fats, but anyway, just this control, this, I have to be a certain way that I have to look a certain way was, uh, yeah, not good, <laughs> was very mm-hmm. debilitating and exhausting yeah. and leading me with an unhealthy view of my body and stuff like that. So I love that, that what you do uh, talk to me about, because I feel like this is, I think people know this at face value, but when you really, really know it, it changes everything. And that is starting to see food as nutrients, as nutrition, as fuel for your body versus this. Like I can have, I think that sometimes people think, oh, well, I can have chili cheese fries and splurge and then just have nothing but kale the rest of the day. And my calories are all healthy. You have your calories, but that's not nutrition. That's not feeding and fueling your body. So anyway, just unpacking that for us.
0: Yeah. So, um, so I, this is something I get a lot of questions about. And so I did a podcast episode on this, I don't know, kind of early on. I forget which episode number it was, but it's on like the nerdy biochemistry side of nutrition about how food doesn't actually have calories. Um, And it's this thing that, you know, food companies don't really want us to know calories are actually the byproduct of metabolism. And so we get carbohydrates, proteins and fats from our food along with, you know, fluids and vitamins and minerals. And it, creates calories and so when we can even just use that mindset going into how we nourish our bodies and instead of being terrified of calories or saying like okay I can only have x number according to the label on whatever food we're eating and we go okay what have I had and what am I missing when you can turn nutrition into a math problem like I'm talking like second grade simple math okay don't let the word math like freak you out or scare you away but when you can look at it as addition and go okay, I can make all foods fit. And we want to get to this place where we recognize foods, all foods are like morally equal, Mm -hmm. like, like, there's no good, there's no bad. My chili fries can't go rob a bank, or, you know, my pizza can't vandalize my mailbox. So there's no morality there. And they're also not nutritionally equal. So we want to have this balance of we want to Instead of going, okay, is this food healthy or unhealthy? If we can look at it more from the standpoint of how might this food benefit me right now or how is it not going to be beneficial, then that can really help us create a lot more variety and balance so that we can enjoy those chili fries. But instead of just going, okay, I'm going to have a ton of them at once and then just not eat the rest of the day, go, how can I enjoy having some of these, but also what's missing and what could I add to it? either at that meal or another meal. So you might go, okay, I've got some potatoes. Okay, so I've got some starchy vegetables, some some carbohydrate. Maybe you've got some chili on top. So you got a little protein, got some fat. So we got a little bit of all of it, but it's missing some fiber. It's missing some color. You're gonna need more protein, more carbohydrate throughout the day. So go, because is there something? Could I add something with some color to this right now? And then later, add in some of these other things that we're still missing. And I think that gives you a much healthier more beneficial perspective of nutrition going what do i need to take out of my diet for the rest of the day or moving forward versus what can i add in to really give me that nutritional boost and then i think that also helps at the moment where you are going to have the chili fries right to say i can have these but knowing it's missing something maybe i have a more moderate portion of it and include some other things that will also give me some satisfaction some fullness and that's going to hold me for more than an hour yeah I'm curious, do you
1: look at your daily intake or per meal, per week? You know, like you say, oh, I need to add some color, I need to add some fiber or whatever. But I'm assuming that every meal has everything, or maybe maybe you do. Like, how do you look at that?
0: That's a great question. So every meal is not going to be made equally. I mean, I'm a mom, I've got two littles at home, and it is just not, it's just not possible for us. It's not practical to have a perfectly balanced meal every time. And honestly, I think if that becomes the goal that in and of itself can get really disordered and stressful because when you're in college and you want to go out for pizza, you don't have to have the pizza and the salad at the same time. You absolutely can. Sure. That's an awesome way to add in some fiber and some color and some balance, but it also creates a lot of stress. If you put that pressure on yourself to do it at every single meal. So for me personally, I like to look at, look at it two ways. I like to look at over the course of a day. What have I gotten in and generally throughout the week, What have I gotten? Because I'm also probably not going to have a ton of variety and color all in one day. Sometimes we do. (laughs) When we when we go to the store and we've got a lot of fresh produce, that's really easy to grab and go. Like we love berries. My kids will like devour bell peppers like we love to do bell peppers and dip them in, you know, Italian or ranch or whatever. And it's the easiest side dish. Right. So we can get a lot of easy color from things like that. But as we get maybe towards the end of our week or week and a half, whenever we're due to grocery shop again, I guarantee we're going to have a little less color on our plate some of those days. I might have some frozen veggies that I can pop in the oven and roast, but I don't put the pressure on to say let's include a rainbow on our plate throughout the course of a day. Yeah. I tend to look at meals as can I include three colors on my plate. I think that's a really simple place to start and go. Okay, if I've got if I've got the chili fries, I've kind of got some of that white, yellow, brown, off-white sort of color family, right? So can I, at the same time, is it possible to add one or two other colors? Because those colors, we get all kinds of different vitamins and minerals that make those different colors. And so that's an easy way to go, okay, how, like, what could I be missing? Have I had anything green today? Maybe I could add in something red or something, you know, like a berry that's, you know, blue or purple. So I attempt to get you know, minimum of two to three colors on my plate at a meal, but really over the course of the day to go, okay, what have I had today? Have I, was I a little low on protein intake today? Mm-hmm. You know, did I have much meat? I'm kind of in a season right now where with our schedule and kind of my taste buds, I haven't been wanting meat as much as usual, which is a little strange. And so I, I know I tend to get my protein in through things like beans and cheese and you know yogurt. And so It helps me to do a little audit to go, what have I had today? Was I maybe a little low on something? I want to make sure I don't create a habit of being deficient. So let's make sure to add that in as a focus, you know, throughout the week.
1: To clarify, do jelly beans count as color on your plate? (laughs) (laughs)
0: So, so yeah, so we want to look for things that are naturally colored, right? But those Things like that, Katie. I know you say that jokingly and I love jelly beans. So I love this example. Those can be a really fun way to add in satisfaction because if you're only focused on nutrition and we, I, I see so often people will say like, well, you've got to eat to live, not live to eat, right? And maybe there's some truth in that. We also don't want to just eat to live. We yeah. want to enjoy it. And every meal's not going to be our favorite, but when you can even add in fun components like that, the more satisfying your meal is from an enjoyment and a fullness standpoint together, the less likely you are to overeat or to feel deprived and restricted so much that you overeat or binge later. Yeah. So adding in those little fun components, I wouldn't count, you know, with color for the day. Yeah. <laughs> but it could definitely help with the satisfaction side of things.
1: No, I think that's so good. And as my brain start, started to shift of, okay, what in this fuels me? What gives me value? And so if I do want some kind of junk food, if you will, I'll, I'll grab a Snickers or a Twix because yes, there's still tons of sugar and junk, but there is at least sliver of nutritional value or jelly beans, you know, not so much not hating on you if you love jelly beans, but this is just kind of a, a way that it might shift your thinking. And another thing you mentioned that I thought was so helpful. And I'm glad that you said per week, like if you look at your week holistically, like what did you pull in? Because something, and I didn't really realize that I do this, but I almost always get salmon when we go out to eat because my family isn't a big fan of it. It stinks up your house when you cook it most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, okay, well, if I go at least once a week and and have salmon, then that helps you get you know, all the megas and all that good stuff. But yeah, anyway, it helped me kind of look at that holistic way of looking at your weekly intake of all that good
0: stuff. Yeah, I think it takes the pressure off and it also gives you that opportunity to say, some days I'm going to have meals where I know they're going to be a little more focused on convenience or satisfaction only and there's going to be other days where I'm going to be intentional to get in these other things that have been missing throughout the yeah. week. So, I think that it tends to even itself out and when you are when you have some body awareness and you're you're able to recognize not just things like hunger and fullness, but how does this food, this amount of food, the timing, how does it make my body feel? Mm that can become a huge factor rather than the, the pressure to say, oh, I have to have this willpower or I have to have this specific rigid schedule. It gives you that more internal motivator and desire to go. I want to feel good. Like I want to enjoy this food. And how can I not feel like crud afterwards? Right. So what can I add in again, maybe at this meal or throughout the day in order to still help me physically feel well?
1: I'm glad you said that because that's something that also really changed my life is just listening to your body and that again, you can, your body's talking to you, but sometimes we just don't listen. And I, I very sensitive to headaches. I get headaches very easily. And so if I haven't eaten enough, I've eaten too much sugar. As I just said, eating a Twix, like that sounds good on my tongue, but I almost always get a headache when I eat a candy bar or something like with a ton of sugar like that. Anyway, so, and I haven't always been that way, but when I kind of started to detox a little bit and eat a little bit more healthy, and then I would have some kind of like a, a slurpee or something with a lot of sugar, my body would be like, what in the world? Like, and so I truly don't even want it. And, you know, we went out to eat with some friends the other day and everyone to get ice cream. Like, that I'm not hating on, it was a great time to hang out with our friends. I, but I just truly do not enjoy ice cream. It does not make me feel good. It like, it gets in the that sets my stomach. I get a headache. I'll I'll eat a brownie and some cookies all day long. Like that's my Mm -hmm. splurge of choice. I just know, like, and I was able to sit there and enjoy time with my friends and, but I don't have to have that in front of me. And so anyway, all that to say, I think that our bodies talk to us more than we realize. I know in my twenties, I ignored it or just didn't listen, but are, do you have any tips or maybe is that, Is that something that you knew all along? Is that something you just kind of started noticing as you got more listening to your body and into nutrition? Is that something, does everyone's body talk to them? Like, I'd love to know
0: more about that. Yeah. So that's a great question. So everybody's body communicates with them, but there is a why, I mean, there can be a huge array of differences and how sensitive are you to those. And part of that there's, I think there's a couple of parts to that. Um, I talk about this from the standpoint of body wisdom And the wisdom being like being able to recognize what your body is telling to you. And then the second part of that, knowing what is that an indicator of or potentially an indicator of. But before you can do that, you have to have body trust, meaning Mm -hmm. you are you're trusting the signals that your body is giving you. And in order to do that, you have to, again, be able to recognize, okay, this is how my body's feeling why why does that feel uncomfortable? Like or, does hunger bother you? Do you feel like, well, I ate 30 minutes ago. I shouldn't feel hungry. And now I'm ashamed that I feel hungry or I feel guilty. I did something wrong. And so the more we, we tend to talk to ourselves and our bodies like that, typically the less we're going to trust our bodies. If you feel like your body has ever betrayed you, mm-hmm. whether it has been a decision you've made or something that was done to you, something that happened to you, that can create a lot of, trauma, a lot of mistrust, a lot of saying, like, well, I can't even trust my own decisions. And so I think people forget that part of it a lot with listening to your body. Cause you mentioned something about this a couple minutes ago, Katie, that that we do want to listen to our bodies, but there's a lot of things that can sometimes inadvertently like we don't even realize hey i am intentionally trying to disconnect from my body because paying attention to my body doesn't feel safe or yeah. it doesn't feel comfortable and yeah. so whether it's something like a big t trauma like sexual abuse neglect something to that degree or whether it's something that might we might consider less you know less intensive like hey somebody made an offhand comment it was a joke but it you know it really hurt you know, my body image or the way that I see myself or my body, um, being able to figure out what, what need am I trying to meet when I'm eating right now? Is it physiological? Is it emotional? Is it something that makes me feel safe? There's a, there's six or seven that I talk about on a regular basis with my clients that I see show up over and over again, but being able to work through and, and it's hard. I, it really helps to, to talk through it with somebody, whether it's a dietitian, um, counselor, somebody with some trauma informed knowledge to go, why do I why do I not want to connect with my body? And so there are things like that that can keep us from listening. But there's also things like if you have really sporadic eating patterns, I noticed this way more in college. I think that's when I started really becoming more aware of my body and of when I was hungry, because previously like high school, early college, if you had said, well, Brittany, how do you know when you're hungry? I would have said, well, my stomach growls or like my stomach feels empty. Well, yes, that's absolutely a signal of hunger, like all the yeah. time. However, there's also things like I'm feeling fatigued or I'm having a really hard time focusing or, um, am you know, I'm just not able to get my words out clearly, or like I'm feeling weak or shaky, or sometimes I have a headache. And so The list could go on. But in college, for me, when I started getting a little more education on what are the things happening in my body that could indicate hunger or that could indicate fullness and what's been keeping me like pushing those down or saying, okay, well, maybe I do have a headache that could be an indicator of hunger. It might not be all the time. Right. But it started bringing up at least some of those like, hey pay attention to this. Like don't just write off the fact that you have a headache, pop some Advil and keep going on your day. Like your, your body's giving you this signal for a reason. Yeah. So if if it's hunger, right, it's, you don't need to just ignore it. We need to figure out, is it physiological hunger? Why like take the judgment piece out of it and just think about those signals as we kind of use the term like a food anthropologist. So just notice, like observe what's happening. And then use that to ask yourself some questions to help you get to know your body better. And if, if that feels uncomfortable or unsafe, bring somebody alongside you to help you gain some knowledge in that, but to also help you understand maybe why it doesn't feel safe, if that's the case.
1: Yeah. I love it. He talked about, you know, taking the, the shame out of it because I can imagine I, I, I'm thinking of my, myself in college. And if I would have had I didn't eat this bad, but let's just say an example. I woke up and had a donut and a Coke and a handful of jelly beans. We're going to talk about jelly beans apparently and went to class and came back out and I was, you know, unfocused and I was starving and I'm like, yeah, but I had all of these calories. First of all, you blew my mind when you said that that food doesn't have calories. So that's important. (laughs) Like, I mean, I know the answers now, but I guess, Talk to me as my young self, if I had done this and I'm like, why did I feel like crap this morning at 10 a.m. And I've had all of these calories.
0: Yes. Okay. So a huge part of this that I started learning in college and I was like, why is this really that important? I'm not going to, I don't have any desire to go into work around diabetes, blood sugar balance. Yeah. If I could teach my clients just one thing about general nutrition, it would be blood sugar balance because when we have like you mentioned coffee, donut, jelly beans, it's not that any of those things are bad or like total junk, but by themselves they're missing a lot. If we yeah. go back to that, that idea of nutrition, it's carbohydrate pretty much only. You get some fat with the donut cause it's cooked, but it's not enough fat to really slow the digestion process down. So fat fiber and protein are the three nutrients that really help with blood sugar balance. And when I say that, what that means is you have, a, we need carbohydrates. We need our blood sugar. Like we, we, Blood sugar, we use the term blood glucose or blood sugar, it's the same thing. It's the carbohydrates that are have been broken down and are circulating throughout your blood system or your bloodstream. And those are necessary to keep you alive and to keep you going. However, we want to keep them within a range that allows for optimum, you know, functionality and focus and all those things. And so what we have I'll get a, a little nerdy for a second, but I'll keep it simple. We have enzymes in our mouth that start digesting carbohydrate. And then the rest of the digestion process really happens in our stomach and in our gut. And so we if we don't have adequate amounts of protein, fiber, and some fat, at least one of the three, if not multiple, carbohydrates break down pretty quickly. Whether they are now, we have simple and complex. So simple just meaning like if you think about, I always use like ball pit balls because I have kids and we keep them around the house. If you think about all these little ball pit balls lined up, a simple carbohydrate is like if you were to take two of those and break it apart, really simple process. It's like chopping something in half. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what a simple carbohydrate does. Because now you have two little individual balls or, you know, bits of glucose, really easy for them to get digested. A complex carbohydrate. Think about like, if you align a whole bunch of them next to each other, they can only absorb one at a time. So it's a longer process of kind of chopping them with essentially with those enzymes. So the digestion is slower because you can only absorb one at a time. So if we think about it from that standpoint, complex carbohydrates have fiber, most of them some type of fiber, which helps the digestion process slow, but protein and fat helps with the same thing. It doesn't make them digest more slowly, but they absorb more slowly. And so instead of getting this huge spike in your blood sugar, when they all absorb really quickly, which would happen with something that's only carbohydrate, like donut, jelly beans, you know, a Coke or some type of soft drink. Again, it's not that those foods are bad, but they're going to cause you a really quick high spike in your blood sugar, which if your body can handle it, that's, You know, it's it's not terrible in the moment and it does give you that burst of energy and it helps you focus for short periods of time, but then you get the crash. Yeah. Right? When you're like, Oh, I've got that like two in the two o'clock in the afternoon crash or I had this Coke or the ice cream or whatever it was, and you crash pretty quickly, that creates cravings because it's a safety signal from your body. It's not this like, well, I don't have enough willpower or discipline and I just have to eat now. It's a a survival mechanism that your body goes, your blood sugar is crashing. It's going low now because your body has put out all this insulin so that it can use up that glucose and keep you safe. So you don't have crazy high blood sugar. So we don't want this like roller coaster up and down. We want more of this like steady incline and then steady decrease. And so from a nutritional standpoint with when it comes to enjoying those things that are really quick to digest and absorb like a lot of the sweets or juice or sugar sweetened drinks, just don't, don't eat or drink them by themselves. Make sure you have them like with a meal, you know, have some, have them with like some dinner where you also have, you know, some chicken or some fish, you know, get your, get your drink when you go out to get your salmon, right? That helps a lot where you can still enjoy them, but you don't get that crummy, crash feeling afterwards.
1: Yes. That's so good. I'm thinking like, even if you had the same amount of calories of like some eggs and bacon, like that would be so much better sustaining you than jelly beans and a donut. And again, no hate, like you could have the donut in addition to, but just not alone because it, yeah.
0: Yeah. Add the eggs, add the eggs to the donut. Or if you're going to go out to, you know, Dunkin' or Krispy Kreme or wherever, like either bring something with you or get something there that that's going to help slow that process down. So you can enjoy it without feeling that crummy crash yeah. afterwards. Yeah.
1: And we're talking a lot about a lot of garbage food. I know a lot of our listeners trying to eat healthy too. So one of my favorite things to ask when I have nutrition nerds and I say that with love.
0: Yes. Go for it.
1: <laughs> uh, what are some of your go-to recipes? I love just like off the top of your head, just some things that you love to grab or some regular rotations you have at your household.
0: Oh Yes. Okay. I just, I just did a podcast episode on this too. And like, I love, I mean, I love a good recipe, but I also like from a practicality standpoint during the week, love no recipe needed meals where I can just like grab stuff and throw it together. So you mentioned salmon. We just did yesterday, two days ago. I like sheet pan dinners because it's little to no cleanup Mm. afterwards. So like I'll take a sheet pan and my goal is to get, choose a protein, a starch and something with color. And so I will get a sheet pan out, set the oven to like 400, 425, and then throw on my meat. So it might be chicken. It might be salmon. It might be, I don't know, beef, whatever. And then I'll usually do something like potatoes or corn, or a lot of times, depending on what it is, maybe I just serve it with a side of rice and then Throw on some veggies, so whether it's fresh, frozen, doesn't matter. Drizzle it all with a little bit of oil, salt, and pepper, and call it a day. Like pop it in the oven for twenty, twenty-five minutes, and when it starts smelling good and it gets a little golden, I'm like, okay, done. <laughs> Pull it out. Super easy. You can season, you know, stuff however you want, but you really don't need a recipe. Just a meat, a starch, and a protein. I mean, a meat, a starch, and a, and a vegetable. You know, something with some color. Um, so that's an easy idea.
1: To clarify, um, your meat is default, right?
0: Yeah, yes, it's already been thawed. Okay. Yeah. So I'm if you're you, Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, i just making sure because I know my twenty year old self would have put a block solid thick of chicken in there and I'd be like, why is this not good? Oh,
0: so so something that I cause I used to do this all the time and it used to like drive me nuts because I get ready to go make something, I'm like, oh my chicken is all still frozen in that little pan, you know, that you get from the grocery store. So something that I have done like like pro tip that makes meals so much faster. When I get home from the grocery store, if I can, if I don't have time to cook it, I will just take them all out of whatever container they come in and put one or two chicken breasts or fish fillets or whatever in the individual Ziploc baggies to freeze them. So you don't have to break them apart later and thaw like the whole thing. But what I really love to do is give myself like 20, 30 minutes and I'll either like pop a whole bunch of chicken or fish or whatever in the oven at one time, cook them all and then shred them while they're warm. And then I'll put that shredded, I'll, you know, grab a handful or two of the shredded meat or whatever's cooked, throw it in Ziploc bags in the freezer so that when I get ready to do a quick meal during the week, I can pull it out, stick it in the microwave or stick it in a bowl of warm water, let it thaw for like two minutes instead of 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> And it's ready to go. So, or you do the same thing with like ground beef, like go ahead and put your pound or two of ground beef on the stovetop, brown it up, drain it and then stick it in individual bags in the freezer. So it's already cooked. You just pull it out and you toss it in with whatever you need. No cleanup required. It's the easiest Pro thing. tip. That's good stuff. Yeah. I do so, that too. That's good. I
1: yeah, usually put frozen chicken in the crock pot and it's all shredded. And then I have it for whatever.
0: Yeah. Yep. That is, that's what I do. If I know I don't have time to like sit there and have something to cook, I'll even sometimes do that night. I'll like throw my chicken in the crock pot, set it for, you know, six hours or whatever. It'll go off and turn to warm. And then in the morning, don't like don't let it get cold shred it while it's warm it's way easier you can stick a hand mixer in there and then you don't even have to touch it turn your hand mixer on Mm -hmm. and it just shreds it all like chicken salad nice So, (laughs) so doing something like that like batching whatever the meat is and i i personally don't like to season it other than some salt and pepper because then you can season it however you want throughout the week throw on a sauce or throw on a dressing or whatever um so between that sheet pans and then we could eat mexican food like We eat, we probably do eat it multiple nights a week. And one of the reasons I like it is not just the flavor, but you can get so, you can pack in so much nutritional bang for your buck because we'll throw in things like if we need some extra fiber, we'll grab some whole grain tortillas. Beans are like a phenomenal source of protein fiber and a ton of vitamins and minerals. And so I keep canned black beans on hand. I usually try to buy the no salt added just so I can control the amount of sodium that goes in, drain it, rinse it. And if I've got some of that, you know, frozen meat that's already been shredded in the freezer. I can pull it out, thaw it, and we'll do like a, you know, like a taco bowl or burrito bowl because you can toss in, you know, tomatoes or salsa or avocado or all, all kinds of like peppers, sauteed peppers, whatever. And that makes for quick meals. You've got a variety of colors of textures, of flavors, of nutrients. Um, so anything that can like go in a bowl together, I, I kind of just keep that general um, guideline or rule of thumb, just to try to help it be balanced of, a protein, a starch, and something with color.
1: Easy. And I love it. And those are all very, very good tips. Okay. What did you eat for breakfast this morning?
0: Oh, what did I have? Oh, I had, um, so I love oatmeal and there is a, um, there's a Kodiak cakes flavor of oatmeal that I really like because it helps with blood sugar balance. It's got a little bit more protein added to it. And it's like a chocolate chip one. And so it's not, Uh, satiating enough to hold me for the amount of time I need. So always put in a couple of tablespoons of peanut butter. I mean, you can't go wrong with chocolate and peanut butter. (laughs) So you get the peanut butter flavor, but you also get some added protein and fat to help hold you longer, to help with blood sugar balance. So I usually have that, or I say usually, when I get oatmeal, that's my favorite kind. Um, And then we usually just try to keep some fruit that's like washed and cut. So I think I had, we've got right now, what do we have in the fridge? We had some like grapes and cherries. So I grabbed some of those and had that with it. So that gets me my protein in the morning. Sometimes I really like to add, I have coffee most mornings. I have my little Disney mug that I would use on Mondays. So I will sometimes use um, some collagen powder in that. If I know my breakfast is a little low on protein, mm. there's no flavor. It doesn't have a weird texture. It mixes in smoothly. And that also helps. I try not to drink coffee on an empty stomach. Cause it'll kind of do the same thing with my yeah. blood sugar. So add a little collagen to that. And that makes a good little um, addition. If you know you're having something that doesn't have a whole lot of protein in it.
1: Um, I love it. I love these simple, easy, very easy to incorporate in your life uh, tips with all the, yeah. with all the recipes.
0: Yes. Try to keep it simple.
1: Yes. One thing I want to back real quick, cause you mentioned toward the beginning is how, when you first Start looking at food and this control and, you know, infertility and stuff like that. And how that kind of associated your relationship with God and how this like tight reins of like, no God, I've got it as we all tend to do. And I just think that he looks it down on us and it's like, wow, y'all are adorable. Um, yeah. <laughs> how has that freedom of, of food and relationship and all that kind of stuff worked together in your life?
0: Oh, it's such a beautiful question because I see it tie in everywhere every day, Katie which I don't know if that sounds cliche, but like I I love to now intentionally look for the Lord in my day because I know he's there, whether I'm paying attention or not. And so um there, <laughs> I feel like there's so many verses about surrender um, in scripture, but I also love to just remind myself that I don't know everything. Okay. Like I love to be in the room with people who I know are smarter than me, who I know have different perspectives, different answers. And I have to remind myself Regularly, not that I have, have like tons of pride built up, but I catch it. I catch those moments, and I'm like, "Oh God, okay, I need, I need to surrender, and I need to be a little, little humble." And Proverbs three, five, and six is one of the ones I come back to often that says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart; lean not on your own understanding." So, Brittany, do not trust your own opinions or your own understanding all the time. You're gonna get it wrong sometimes, right? And then it says in all your ways, submit, some versions say, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And so that verse or a couple of verses there reminds me like, it's okay if I don't know what the next step is. I don't have to control the next step. But if I surrender to the Lord, if submission becomes something that I'm really intentional about, and that does not happen automatically, that's not something for me that I'm just like, okay, God, like you got my day. Let me submit. Like I have to intentionally pray for that in the morning. Like, even God, as I go into my prayer time, help me pray in agreement with you. Like yeah. help me pray the things today that you want me to pray for. Help the things that matter to you, help them to matter to me. Mm-hmm. Because if I start my prayer off that way, and I don't always, but when I can remember and be intentional, it changes what I pray for. I end up praying a little, not not necessarily like less for the things that I need or that I'm asking for wisdom for. Mm-hmm. But I do ask for wisdom more so than just, hey, God, will you do this? But God, will you give me wisdom and understanding even what to ask for? Um, Or Lord, when it comes to my relationship with food or I'm getting ready to go into a session later today, Lord, give me the wisdom to not just give my opinion or my two cents on everything, but help me know what questions to ask to really bring up what's going on and to really give the most biblical guidance that I can. And I think that also comes with that, extra step of humility, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of the conversation. Anytime I'm talking to someone about something that I have taken from scripture, I always like to remind them, like, I cannot be your Bible. So let me, I'll tell you this one thing that I feel like I have understood or that I'm studying into, but don't just take my word for it. Mm -hmm. Like take it to the Lord and say, do I need to take it or leave it? Like what Brittany just said, don't just automatically assume it's truth right? Like you give tons, you have tons of incredible episodes, Katie and truth for your twenties. I love that title because you feed in so much truth to all your sweet listeners. And that's something I have to pray for. Like, God help me when I hear people talk, help me to pull what's true and just leave the rest.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And same for listeners. Like I, I try very intently and this is why I'm so thankful to have you on, you know, to I don't know what the word is like, make sure all of my guests are speaking truth. And, you know, um, I had to remove one episode because it was like, well, yep, not, not what yes. I wanted my 20 year old self to say or yeah. to hear. And so, um, you know, obviously no one's going to be perfect. And I, but I, I do a hundred percent stand by that as well, that like, I'm doing our best to give you, you know, scripture-based truth, but I'm not the gospel, you know, and our, our guests aren't either. And so, yeah, I love that. And I love that your humility to do that for the people you serve. What a gift that you're giving them that like, I want to point you to the Lord, but I'm not him. <laughs> so here's some tools go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah. Well, that is something I strive for. It's also something I fail in on a regular basis. And so I like being able to not, not see failure as like a bad thing, but be able to okay, this is an opportunity for growth. God, I acknowledge that I messed up today. And even when you can just say that out loud and not condemn yourself for it, because God doesn't condemn you, but to say like, okay, God, I I didn't get this thing right today. So help me learn from it and make a more wise decision the next time.
1: Preach. Well, Brittany, you give so much truth when it comes to eating and having that relationship with food and your body and all of that good stuff. I want to ask you a million dollar question. And that is if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say?
0: Oh my gosh. I would tell her to chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I would tell her like, stop worrying about everything. I was absolutely in like the throes of being a control freak when I was in, you know, especially in college. And now that I'm in my thirties, I don't claim to have gotten it all right, but there's so much like my life is filled with so much more joy and peace now that I have stopped trying to control everything or trying to predict what's going to happen next. So when, if I could go back, I'll just tell my 20 something year old self, like it's okay to not know what the next three steps ahead look like. Ask the Lord for wisdom as those steps get there and trust him in the process. Because even if you think, you know what those steps are, they could change in a heartbeat. So stop trying to control them and just use wisdom as much as you can along the way. Amen well thank you so much for being here my friend thank you so much for having me katie it was a pleasure
1: if you enjoyed this episode i would enjoy you sharing it with a friend if you take a screenshot and share it on your social make sure you give me a tag at katie bulmer life and i will definitely make sure i respond and thank you so much for sharing the love hey and if you're new to the podcast make sure you scroll back we have over 100 episodes interviewing experts and 20 somethings and everyone in between tackling all the hottest topics you wish you knew, but maybe just don't. This is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast, and I'm so thankful that you are here.